Hello and thanks for joining us once again for the Inspire, Create and Shine podcast, where we discuss life, love, literature and the arts from a Christian perspective. This is your host, Melanie D from MelanieDTheAuthor.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. Hey guys, it's Melanie. So um, as you know, my next to last podcast um, was talking about <clears throat> my family, my bloodline, my heritage, my ancestors, um, my family currently. And then in the course of all of that, I was talking about, you know, because the summertime, even though summer is now coming to a close uh, very soon, um, there's a lot of family reunions, there's a lot of family gatherings, parties, birthdays, weddings, all kinds of things happen in the summertime, travel, all of that. And I've gotten to participate in just about every one of those things that I've named. So it's just been a lot of stuff going on and it's been, um, we've ha- been having a good time, but in the course of these gatherings, um, especially the family reunion, um, especially the recent passing of one of my oldest, and I think I mentioned that in my last podcast, one of the oldest living relatives that remain in my family um, that I know of on my uh, mother's or grandmother's side of the family. Um, She passed away recently. I think there's one other um, man who I believe is my cousin I think he's the oldest remaining. She was was in her 90s. And um, so she lived a long, full life. But before she passed away, um, we were planning a family reunion. And so I was helping with the planning process of the family reunion, me and my my cousins, my mom and a few others. Um, And so it turned out really good. It turned out really, really nice. We didn't get to... um, do some of the things that we plan, but that's ne- that's neither here nor there. Um, but what I wanted to say is, during the course of planning the family reunion and you know trying to gather information on the family tree, um, I was coming to find out um, quite a bit of history um, from photographs, from documents, from the family tree itself, and it was very eye-opening. Like I grew up. Um, I think I've mentioned this a few times in other podcasts, and I spent a lot of time, we spent a lot of summers, my, my siblings and cousins and I spent a lot of summers um, at my grandmother's house and um, in the south, and um, uh, most of the summers we were down there, and, you know, we got to know her very well, that's our grandmother, but there were still elements and parts of her life that we didn't know, and her and our grandfather, her husband, you know, we got to know him when he was already Um, in a state of in a handicapped state so we didn't know him before he was disabled and that's still a side of the family that we still have to explore that's why I stressed that in the last podcast it's important to talk to the older members of the family they have a lot of history and I love that how in the the movie Roots when they were talking when um uh, what's his name Alex Kelly was was you know trying to discover and research his family history he had to speak to a griot in the <clears throat> African village where Kunta Kinte and his family um, lived. 
And Agriot is someone who goes around, they, they, they memorize all these histories and they tell oral histories. They don't have it documented because it was so old. Um, the history is so ancient that they have to memorize it. And so these people are skilled enough to memorize all this history. It reminds me again of my aunt who just passed. She was known, and we mentioned that in her, um, in her ceremony recently, how she had this amazing memory, like you would never imagine for someone to be that old. Because a lot of times when people get older in their 70s, 80s, 90s, they start to lose their, their memories. But she was never known to do that. She had a sharp mind. God blessed her with a sharp mind, a sharp memory. And so she can tell us history from way back when she remembers things as a little, as a little girl. And so, <clears throat> you know, I did the program for her funeral. I've known her most of my life, probably all of my life, from little girl on up to now. <clears throat> and I, there were things that I was discovering that I never knew. Um, and so it's just amazing. You can You can be around somebody for a lifetime and not really know them how well do you really know the people in your life family friends uh neighbors whoever how well do you truly know them because people give you a version of themselves people share a version of themselves oftentimes to the public but they don't always um show their true self um except in private some people are very open and they share everything I know some people like that. You know, they just regurgitate everything they know. I know some transparency is important and some vulnerability is important because it shows your human side and lets people get to truly know you and see that you are human and that you have, uh, they might have some similarities with you that they can relate to because you're sharing that, um, that vulnerable side of yourself. So I know that is important, uh, but... I believe I'm a very private person, so I believe in protecting my privacy, protecting my peace. I don't let everybody into my intimate space. I don't let everybody into my heart space. I protect my heart. I guard my heart. I, as the scriptures say, guard your heart. For from it flows the issues of life, or something like that. Because everybody doesn't handle you with care, and so it's wise to to to, to guard your heart and be careful what you share. Um, there are some celebrities and because they're in the public eye, they have a little bit more of an obligation to share a little bit more because they have fans who want to get to know them. They want to make sure these are some people that they can trust and things like that. So I get it a little bit as a, as a celebrity, you got to be more open, but then there's some things you got to keep for yourself. Cause I, there are some celebrities that I love and respect who, um, I'm not going to name them either. Well, I guess I will name one. Um, there are some celeb celebrities that you've he heard of, and they're wildly popular, wildly famous, wealthy, and all of that. But they are—they do a great job of being um, publicly private, if you—if you will. So um, I could name one: Denzel Washington and his wife um, and his family. They are very protective of their family space so they don't share everything there are a few others um that you see them and you're like why is it that i never see them in the tabloids why is it that i never see them with paparazzi shots all over the place it's like there's a certain respect a certain reverence for those um those characters where they people know not to overstep their boundaries and so i know i'm going off on a tangent but it, i just went there because it's important to be open, it's important to share, but it's also wisdom and being careful what you share. Everybody can't handle 
your privacy. Everybody can't handle your candidness. Everybody can't handle your vulnerability. And if you've ever had someone betray a confidence, then you know what I mean about you can't share everything with everybody. But anyway, back on the subject. <clears throat> As I was preparing for my aunt's funeral and I was, um, you know, putting the program together and I was getting the information and they sent me the information to put in the program and everything and we were looking at pictures and trying to gather the pictures for the program. Um, I was learning a few things. Like I, did, I had no idea she had <clears throat> been interviewed by the county where she lived and uh, they had done a whole interview on her life. Um, the school she went to as a girl, and she's like I said, she's in her 90s when she passed. <clears throat> so imagine 90 years ago, the school that she went to, the elementary school she attended, I think it went up to seventh grade, middle school, whatever. And that school still stands in the, and I come down there all the time to visit family down there. And we pass that school all the time. It's now a historic, um, site that you can go and visit and see and they say every it's well preserved uh, one of the most well preserved uh, uh, schools in the world out here um, for it to be that old <clears throat> but <clears throat> as we've learned in her in the course of her ceremony you know her and her sisters report cards are on file they have you know pictures of them in the classroom and and old you know um, information and stories that they were telling. They were telling about what it was like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, growing up and going to a school back in those days. She went to school in the 1930s, so can you imagine what life must have been like for a little black girl in the 1930s? Um, she, her family was actually fortunate because they uh, did not um, encounter a lot of racism, but they did get to see pieces of it. So they went in this one room school and they had seven different grades. Could you imagine a one-room school? I drive past there when I'm coming to re visit relatives, and uh, you can see how small the school is. And so you're like, how in the world did they fit seven different grade levels in that one little school? This is where they went to school every day. And as they matriculate up from, from grade to grade, starting a first grade, kindergarten, first, second, on up to seventh, they just move them from position, different positions in the room. And I'm like, okay. So you have one teacher trying to teach seven grades of black students. They actually put together, like I said, the interview that she had, my aunt had, I didn't even realize they had put together this book. And it's a historical book. It's called In Relentless Pursuit of an Education, African-American Stories from a Century of Segregation from 1865 to 1967. And um, throughout this book, it has details um, from various students who lived during that time period, including her, her sisters, my mom's sisters, and in their picture of her and her brother. Um, but they have firsthand accounts, written accounts of life during that time. So I see, you know, little excerpts from my aunt who died. And then I see like my uncles, what they said. They're telling about what it was like at lunchtime, what recess was like, how they got water for the classrooms. And their their books were often hand-me-downs. So all the white schools got new books. Think about this, how, 
how wrong that is. You're a black student. You're you're not even aware of this though. So they never got new books. They were always hand-me-downs, raggedy torn up books, pages torn out, written all in, bad quality books. And they often had to share. It might've been just a few books to go around. And so they're tr trying to get, a, get an education under these circumstances in this small classroom with a wood burning stove that the little boys had to go get wood for every morning to keep them warm when it was in the colder months. They had to draw water from a well to drink um, water with their lunch. Um, the the, the uh, yard, the schoolyard surrounding the school was not even that big. So this is where they would have or try to have recess. And I, my aunt was telling the story about how she loved to play volleyball and there was barely any room to play. Um, they had to, and it reminds me of growing up as a child down in that same area. We spent many of our summers down there. So because it wasn't that we didn't have stuff to do, we had all kinds of stuff to do. You know, we played a lot of ball and games, sports and stuff, jump rope, hopscotch, um, volleyball, basketball, baseball, kickball, you know, racing, tag, whatever. We would pick blueberries, we would ride bikes, we would race, no, we did all kinds of stuff. We would, we would uh, walk through the woods and explore the woods and the areas. So we, we had all kinds of stuff that we did. We played house, we played teacher, we played all kinds of stuff. We, we were good at occupying our time and finding things to do to keep ourselves busy. It's like you had to be creative to come up with stuff to keep yourself busy. And we had to stay outside a lot of the time. So we, we knew what it meant to be active. We had no choice, we stayed outside. Our, our grandmother was often keeping company. She was a minister. She often had people over and, you know, visitors and fellowships. So they didn't want us at the house all the time. So we we're outside playing most of the time. So it just made me think back to, wow, here's my aunt telling her story um, back in the 1930s of herself at this school, this little school. And, um, you know, being in this small space. Now, my grandmother's and them's yard was huge. So we had plenty of fresh air and plenty of open field to run in. So we weren't lacking with a space to run in and play and have fun. But it just made me think about them, the contrast to my aunt, who was at this little school, this one room school, and she's out there playing volleyball in this little space and trying to come up with stuff to play. And they and she was talking about how they had to make um, a ball and make objects, be creative and find objects to make those things. So it's just different times. and. Um, Whenever I started reading these stories about my aunts and my cousins and my older relatives and the life that they had, um, the education they tried to receive during that time, um, it just makes you, it, it changes your perspective of how important education is now and how, how privileged we are and how blessed we are nowadays to be able to go to school and to be able to, um, you know, go as far as we want to. Because like some of them didn't graduate high school and some of them did. Um, back in the day, but then there's some of us now, we have the privilege, it's like it's a no-brainer now. You know, I know it's a higher cost now and stuff, but I mean, we can go as far as we want. So it's just a blessing and it's amazing to see. I'm looking at it now. I have the book in front of me now while I'm talking. I'm looking right now at um, this entry in the book. It's called, it says Diploma, uh, June 6, 1941. And it's showing her diploma from the state of Maryland. Let me read this little excerpt, for, excerpt from her uh, that just passed. She says, she's talking about a, a time when they had, uh, just telling you about 
something that they did at the school. She says, we had Halloween plays. We just had a little Halloween party and we had Coca-Cola and cookies and candy. And well, we'd, we'd make masks. Yeah, we enjoyed making it ourselves because we couldn't buy it. We'd make all these, you know, things, faces and stuff to put on and we would sing Halloween songs. I had this speech that I went to Talbot. I had this speech that I went to Talbot County for the whole school and I spoke this thing standing on the platform. I don't know what it was, but I did it. It was some kind of agricultural stuff because I know I had little stuff in a jar. I can't remember. I was, it was 4-H, yes, 4-H. I don't know what that means. They picked a child from each school that year to go and they picked me. They would pick one child from each school and I represented my school. I must have been about nine or 10. It was warm weather because I, I wore a little white dress and my little socks and my shoes. I remember all that. They dressed me up so pretty. And we used to go to field day too. That bus would come and pick them up. They thought they were going to New York City. Later in the years, they used to have like a little dance. Sometimes, maybe like once a year, there was an old man that used to come with a fiddle, a banjo or whatever. And they would play and we would dance. That's just a little short, sweet memory she has. Like she said, she was about nine or 10. I didn't realize how instrumental she was in her church and the various churches that she attended. So I'm like, okay, it makes me realize, okay, that's where my family gets it from. Um, my mother, my grandmother, my father, my aunts, a lot of the women <clears throat> in that bloodline were ministers and workers in the church. Here we are, my siblings and I, my family and I, different family members, like I have some cousins and, 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 and different ones who are still ministers to this day. And so I'm like, where do we get that, that, uh, that desire or that, you know, that mentality and that, that thing where we just are drawn to ministry, drawn to serve in the house of God. Um, and here I'm looking at her story. I was like, I like, I knew, I knew my aunts and my grandmother and them were church going people and they are prayer warriors and they, you know, they serve the Lord, they minister to people. Like my grandmother, um, who was my mom's mom, she was known in the county up and down the road, constantly evangelizing and winning souls to Christ. So that's something that she was known for in the county and, you know, all over. And, um, that's when my mom got her, uh, boldness to, for the Lord and doing stuff like that, watching her mom. And so it's like, she was brought up and the various things that she, uh, encountered in her life, got her drawn into the same vein. And then I'm thinking about my aunt, my grandmother's sister. She was also a minister, preacher's wife at first, but then there she becomes a minister and there she's a singer in her church. And then my aunt who just died, she was a singer in the church and they worked hard in the, in the church. You know, they're all constantly there. Um, building the ministry, helping to grow the ministry, helping to bring people in, helping to uh, win souls for the kingdom. And so I'm, I'm looking at myself and I'm like, okay, maybe that's where that in, that um, subconsciously, unknowingly, it's like a, a, a desire that's within me and within my family members, other siblings that I have, different people in my family line that have this desire 
to just serve and work in the kingdom of God and work in the house of God. Because, you know, I, I, before I even knew the extent of, like, my uncle's dad's um, life and, 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 and service to the Lord, I'm like, okay, now it makes sense. This is, you know, maybe that's where it came from for us. And we didn't even realize that they were the same way. You know, um, my church that I go to now, where I've been, we were born and raised there. This is my family. This is my my church home. You know, always will be, always has been. Um, and so, so we've never gone from there. And so I've always had this strong desire. And not just a desire, but the call to serve in the ministry. Um, anybody who knows me, um, the pandemic changed a lot of things where we're not physically there all the time, but when we were there all the time physically, you know, I was always, always working in the kingdom. Like I would even come, I would come in the house of God and, you know, people would say, girl, do you ever have a Sunday where you're not having something to do? Like I come in there, I'm, you know, a lot of people come in, they come to sit down and worship and do it. I never had a Sunday except maybe one every now and again where I would come in and be able to just sit there and enjoy the service. I came in, I was always on post to do something. And I'm, you know, I wore myself out doing that, but I love to serve the kingdom. I love to serve God like that. So, and I'm like, okay, there's that drive. I didn't realize my aunts and my, my family bloodline was the same way. So I'm learning these things. I know it seems small, but it just, it just opened your eyes to see, oh, so they were the same way. It's like an inherent quality within us where we love the Lord and we want to serve God in his house. And that whole ministry thing, wanting to minister to people, wanting to love on God's people, have this, the, the word, a love for the word of God, a love for the ministry, a love for God's people. Um, and then I got to learn about my grandmother's mother. We call her Ma Bell. We got to know her. She was my great grandmother. She died at the age of, I can't remember, how, was she 91? So we got to know her, but her mom, we never got to know. Her mother, they people, the people call her Aunt Sarah, Grandma Sarah, Aunt Sarah, or whatever. And she was a midwife to most, if not all, of the families in the county. The county they lived in and the surrounding areas. So she birthed and helped to birth a lot of these children. And I found that amazing. So the same way my grandmother was going around evangelizing all over the county, her grandmother was midwife to a lot of the people in the county. So there she is. And it, it, it just, it, it just, I don't know, it just kind of connected the dots for me mentally and in a spiritual manner where here's my, so she would be my great, great grandmother being a midwife, a birther, a literal birther of people. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about my grandmother. I'm thinking about my aunts, how they helped to birth things in this kingdom. They birthed things figuratively. Some of them actual birthed literal children, but some of them just birthed things in the spirit. And so I'm thinking about, about myself, how I have this thing where I am a birther. I'm a pusher. So I help other people to birth ministry, help other people to birth projects, help other people to birth things um and especially when it comes to things of god the things in ministry the things in the house of god i help people to birth books and birth businesses and birth all types of projects including myself so it's kind of strange when i've always been a servant a servant type personality i serve 
in the kingdom. I serve in some manner. People always calling me, Melanie, can you help me with this? Help me. It's like I'm a helper. Help, help me to do this. Help me to birth that. Help me to do that. And so it, it, I found it very strange in 2020 when I, when the Lord commissioned me to go ahead and finish that book he told me to write a few years ago. Um, love check. Okay. I said, I started this. I have started, I got the name and I started writing it in 2015, but I didn't actually do anything with it. Like I started it and I kind of put it aside. It was either 2015 or 2018. I can't remember. I think it was 2015. But anyway, there I am um, writing this book and I put it aside and I journal so much that I have so, oh my God, the amount of things that I have journaled, dreams, visions, um, words from God, things that he wants me to write, things that I'm supposed to be doing. So that ain't no accident. Okay, so it's like this year, I mean, that year, 2020, when the pandemic hit, the same year the pandemic hit, there I was writing this book that God laid on my heart to write. So I found it strange. I found it strange having been a birther and a pusher for other people all these years. That's always been my MO. Serve, help birth this, birth this for them birthed after them and I used to hear this quote by I think it's Mike Murdoch he's a man of God a preacher teacher he's big on wisdom wisdom principles from the Bible and other sources but especially the Bible but he there's something that he used to say I used to hear him say all the time when I hear him minister he would say something like what you make happen for others God will make happen for you and it's not like oh that's why I was doing what I was doing I just had a love and a passion for helping people to um to bring stuff to pass, to bring stuff to fruition. And so here I was, you know, somebody needing, somebody's trying to get a book off the ground, trying to get their business off the ground, trying to get a project off the ground and they needing help. And I'm like, God gave me the ability to do it. So that's my thing. I'm going to help you do with whatever capacity and skills that God gave me. I'm going to use that to help you to birth something. And so I found it strange when 2020 came and God is now shifting my mindset to, okay, Melanie, I need you to focus on some things I want you to do for me. And so here I am, I'm trying to do stuff. I'm like trying to shift out of the mindset of, okay, help somebody else, help them, help them. It's like now the pandemic forced me to to focus in on my things that God wanted me to birth out from me, that he gave me personally. to So, but it's hard, it's so hard to switch from helping other people, pushing other people to now trying to say stuff and push myself. It is so strange. If you're an introvert and you're anybody like me, you will understand what I mean. Try, um, you know, complimenting people, pushing people, giving them accolades, praising other people, and then trying to put yourself on a flyer, promote your book, say good things about you. And I found it odd though, something is ironic the book is talking about love check and trying to be loving and how God wants us to love one another and then I found it quite strange all the love and all the service and all the stuff that I've poured into other people a lot of times you expect that stuff to return eventually right and in some some ways and sometimes it does but I found it quite strange that during the pandemic at the time when those people that I helped seemed like they would have been more helpful to me I found myself a lot of times being turned on it. So here I am. I'm trying to talk about love. I'm trying to, you know, have a better love walk and, and be much, a much more loving person and live by what I'm talking about because it used to come natural. 
God was showing me how to love and he was helping me to love. But then because I'm writing about this and I'm ministering about this, I'm talking about this, now I'm under fire. It's like all hell broke loose when it came to love. People have um, people have misconceptions, people are being fed wrong things, rumors, all kinds of things, lies. Um, you know, when you're private like I am, people just fill in the blank and come up with their own stories and speculations of what they think is happening here, what they think is happening there. I mean, some of the worst to me, and, and I don't like to always clear it up, and then sometimes when I do, or sometimes get upset, then I'm the, the, the enemy of the villain because I, I finally say enough is enough and I finally say something in response to what's going on. So, okay, that's like a given. If you're going into ministry and you're doing anything for the kingdom, anything for God like that, that tends to happen. But nevertheless, this is something that God wants me to do for him, for me. It's hard to do. It's hard to shift the mindset from helping to help to doing it for yourself. So if if somebody was to ask me now, in light of the book and having written the book, um, like I said, near the end of 2020, um, I think it was, yeah, 2020, um, in light of having written that and knowing what love is all about and knowing the beauty of love, if anyone would say, do you think you've grown better in love? Do you think you understand love better? Do you think you've gotten better at it? I would say I understand it better, but I will also say, that it's, it's even harder than you think. So if you think it's easy, then you really don't know love. If you think loving is easy, you you probably are not truly loving. Because loving is a action. It's a it's a it's an intentional uh, thing that you do. It's not just a feeling that you have. Like you can love and have all these good feelings about people, but you have. It's like you choose and you command yourself. Like you. You could take control of your emotions, your will, and you choose to love people in spite of what they're doing. Sometimes it don't have to be like an in spite of. Sometimes it's just because. just You're just doing it because God told us to love one another, because everyone is worthy of love, because we, if we give, we will receive. It's for all those reasons, and because we're representing God, and because we know that love is healing, and for all those reasons, it's like you have to actively love people uh love yourself too so it's, it's a challenge loving yourself loving others loving god loving god ain't god ain't so hard because god is good all the time even though we don't always understand god and what he's doing all the time god is definitely worthy of our love but he wants us to love him by loving his people that's one of the number one ways that we can show god that we love him is when we love other people and so y'all pray my strength in the Lord because I am definitely trying my best and it's been rough at least the last year trying to love through it all and so I don't always make the mark like I always say but I'm trying every day to push through um and like I said there's so many things I'm learning about my family um things that I didn't know it's showing me who I am through them it's showing me um why I do some things I do because that is like it's in our bloodline it's like it's in our DNA um, to have this desire to serve God and his people to have this desire to love people that's something that they did they represented like people were talking about my aunt told about how much she was loving people I know she was like I said she was off the hook too (laughs) 
but she also was a loving woman of God. And so <clears throat> she'll be missed. But I'm, it's just amazing. I know I, I tend to go off on a tangent when I start talking about some things and I go into another area. But I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm going to say what God is, is what's coming out of me right now. Sometimes it might be something that somebody needs to hear. So I, I started this podcast because I wanted to talk about um, the importance of getting to know. I wanted to reiterate the thing about getting to know your heritage and your history and the history of some of your ancestors your older ancestors because like you know your parents now and I even learned stuff about my mom now I'm she's telling me things about my dad I didn't know after their divorce we were my mom raised us by herself as a single mom four children by herself and she did the doggone thing she did she did well and we always had our needs met she kept us in the church and house of God she she made sure that we came to know God for ourselves. She made sure that we stayed out of trouble. You know, she did whatever she had to do to, to help us to make it, to see all of us graduate. Some of us go to college, <clears throat> you know, see us raise our own families and, and grow up in the house of God and just serve and continue to grow even now to this day. So that's a testament to my mom. And I thank God for her. Thank God for my um all of those who have been a blessing to me and poured into me and my family in some way. But yeah, it's important to know um, your parents, to know your grandparents, even even, uh, close cousins, cousins of your moms, cousins of your grandparents, because they can tell you some things that maybe your parents didn't know. And that's why family reunions are so important. Because I, you know, I've been to family reunions in the past, years ago, where you know, I come there not knowing anyone or not knowing a whole lot of people, and I leave not knowing a whole lot of people. So we wanted to make it different this year. Um, there's some more exploration I want to do um, as far back as we need to. But it's it's so amazing to see and to hear what they did, how they survived. Some of them were farmers. Some of them were watermen. Um, you know, they, they fished for a living, and they, they, they raised all of their food. They survived off the land. They knew how to make ends meet because that's what they did for a living. You know, they reared their children up in the in the in the fear and admonition of the Lord, as they say. I'm I'm grateful to be a part of a family that that came up in the in in the faith, um, and and, and teaching us all about the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and getting to know God for ourselves. That's a blessing. Everybody doesn't have that privilege, and I don't take it for granted. I thank God for it. And as a result, I've come to know God for myself, know Christ for myself, know the word for myself and come to love it. I love the word of God. I love serving in the house of God. I'm grateful for the experience of it all. Um, I'm grateful for learning all that I've learned over the years. I'm thankful for this business that I'm in, um, which I love. It's My business is not just, oh, it's just my, my livelihood and the way I make money. No, to me, it's a, it's a service to the Lord. Because I, I, it's mostly geared towards the people of God, but I, I service other people as well. But that, that's what it started as, a ministry to God and to his people. You know, I'm serious about this thing. People people might misunderstand what my where my heart is with this thing. But I promise you, this, is, this has always been about God. It's always been about his people um, trying to be a light in the earth, um, trying to represent him the best that I can. And whether I make the mark or not, that's God knows that's been my heart and that's always been my mission. And so I hope somebody and I know they have because people have told me, I hope, though, that that people will continue to be blessed 
by my light, blessed by my service to God, blessed by the works of my hands. And those who who misuse and, and, and abuse your kindnesses continue to try to love through it all. Some people say that's crazy. But as people and children of God, that's our mission to love the unlovable, to love in spite of, to love unconditionally. And that don't mean you just let people walk on you. No, you still got to have boundaries. You still have to protect, have to protect yourself. But we are still called to love through it all. Just like God would love us. You think we love God the right way every time, every day? I don't think so. But he continues to pour out his love, his favor, his grace, his mercy to us every single day. Bible says in Lamentations 3 that his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He never stops loving us. Do you understand? And so because of that, and because we are supposed to emulate him as Christians, children of God, we have to love people the same way. We ain't like the world. The world will will, will turn on you in a minute. Like the, at the drop of a hat, the snap of a finger, they'll turn on you in a minute. But we're not called to be like that. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be a light. We're supposed to be a light in darkness. We're supposed to be set apart and different. We're a peculiar people. Those people think we're strange because we love in spite of. We love through it. When people don't deserve it, we love them anyway. When it hurts, we love them anyway. When we don't want to forgive, we forgive them anyway. And I know I'm going way off course again. <laughs> Sound a little preachy or whatever. But I'm just thinking about this. Because that's what's in my book. And that's what I try to live. Even though I don't always get it. But I'm trying, y'all. I'm really trying to do what God will have me to do when it comes to love, forgiveness, all those things. And it's never been easy. There's a quote I have on my page that says, If it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy, everybody would do it. There are some things that I can do that are easy. That, that other people find hard to do and vice versa. Some things they can do. That I find hard. That they do well. But it's a blessing. God has given us all something that we can use. Something that we can bless others with. So y'all reach down deep. Find what those things are in yourself. Reach down deep. Find out where your history is. What your people are about. Where you come from. The stock you come from. What they did. What they believe in. Where they come from. What qualities you inherited what about them is like you find the connection find the pattern in your bloodline if it's a good pattern that's a good thing if it's a bad pattern then it could be a generational thing a generational curse a generational thing that you got to break if if poverty is in your line break that chain if uh alcohol addiction some kind of addiction is in your bloodline and you don't like it break that chain break that curse if um abuse of some kind women who allow themselves to be abused uh, tends to be attracted to abusive men is in your line break that curse um a certain illness that seems hereditary if your family is prone to getting some kind of health uh, problem that you know is caused by the way you've been taught to eat and to live your life break that curse you don't have to be walking around at the age of 30 and 40 with uh, heart disease lung disease from smoking you don't have to do that high blood pressure because that's been your history and your family history break that curse break that chain it stops here it stops with you like I'm so grateful oh my god I'm so grateful that my pastor Bishop Ralphie Green my original pastor 
he taught us as at a young age i grew up grew up in that ministry as i said he taught us not to eat pork stay away from that 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 pork that pork is it's not good it'll give you high blood pressure and things like that and so he taught us no don't stay away from that pig it's a filthy animal don't eat pork and so i know there are some people that still do it and i've not that's not to say i've never had it ever since then but he taught us the harm in eating it the bible even speaks against it being a filthy animal and how there are some other other religions that, that, that swear against it and say how it's bad for your health and so for those reasons he taught us things like that Stay away from swine, as they call it. Eat fruits and vegetables. Eat natural supplements and herbs and and things that are going to benefit your body. How to drink pure water, clean water, and, you know, natural remedies. And I swear, those things have stayed with me all of my life. Then I got fortunate enough to get hooked up with people that live a healthy lifestyle. And so you never know the years that you may have added to yourself, to your life, by just changing your eating habits and cutting out things that you know are harmful. No sodas and drink more water and stay away from junk food and the different things that you've learned. I'm grateful to this man of God for teaching us that because that was something in our family that was the norm. They grew up eating swine. They grew up eating this, that, and the third that was not healthy. So it's like, break that chain right now. Stop it with you. So, you know, it's so much that you can learn from your history. Never stop exploring. Never stop exploring who you are. Not just in your family bloodline, but who you are in Christ. Whew. I thank God that he showed me some of my spiritual gifts um, years ago. I've grown up in ministry. Like I said, I've learned... um, you know, I've, I've been a student of the word most of my life, um, a servant in the kingdom most of my life, and I enjoy this. Um, still to this day, a servant and a student of the word. All right, I'm going to stop there. I hope something I said blessed you, um, inspired you, um, helped you today um, to make you want to um, delve a little deeper into your family tree and into your family Um heritage into your ancestry if you'd like to be featured on this podcast please hit me up at melanie d the author at yahoo.com that's melanie d the letter d the author at yahoo.com or on my website at www.melaniedtheauthor.com thank you so much for listening have a beautiful and blessed day